I'm Monica Garski with NBC7.com. I love writing about San Diego, the people, places, and things that make it a special city to live and visit. I'm married to a chef, so keeping up with the culinary scene is a big part of my life. And together, my husband and I have two little girls, both sweet and sometimes a tiny bit salty, who we are raising to try new things, appreciate good food, and love the people, places, and things in our city. Hi, I'm Candace Wu, the founding editor of Eater San Diego, a site dedicated to breaking food news, covering restaurant openings, and offering local dining guides. I've been a freelance food writer in San Diego for more than a decade, writing about the restaurant industry, craft beer, farms, fishermen, and everything in between. I started my culinary career working in a restaurant kitchen before moving to restaurant reporting, so while I'm not a professional chef, I think I'm a pretty decent home cook. Thank you for listening to the Scene in San Diego featuring Eater podcast. On this episode, we talk about the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on our local craft breweries as the industry adapts to challenge after challenge. We also take a look at an ambitious new brewery that recently opened in Mission Valley, but not without its own COVID-19 obstacles. We are joined by our guest Paige McWay Acres from the San Diego Brewers Guild. Paige has helped to lead the Guild for over seven years and currently serves as its executive director. Hello, thank you for listening. Candice, it's been a couple of weeks. We've been actively tracking how our local food and drink scene has been adjusting and adapting. And Candace and I lately, we've had a lot of conversations about San Diego's craft beer industry and just how in the world these small brewers are going to survive the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic. On July 1st, after San Diego County landed on California's COVID-19 monitoring list, Breweries that do not serve food were told they needed to shut down their tasting rooms. Yeah, and really no industry is immune. And uh, the latest order forced many of our city's small breweries to close their doors for a second time since the pandemic reached San Diego County. Wineries and distilleries, however, were told they could remain open without having to serve food so long as they have an outdoor area to serve customers. And we've talked a lot about, you know, the gray area here, and uh, there's been a lot of back and forth for every industry, like you said, Candace. but breweries have gotten, you know, a lot of that back and forth. And the San Diego Brewers Guild, which currently has more than 120 members, they've been keeping a running list of which craft breweries are open and at what capacity on their website, which is SDP. Beer.com. And on that list, you'll see it really varies. You know, some of these breweries are open only for curbside pickup, which has been, you know, a trend that they really, really took to at the beginning of the pandemic and have kept going. Other breweries are open, but with, you know, extremely modified hours, only when they can book a food truck or partner with a restaurant in order to follow those guidelines that they've been issued. It's been quite a ride for craft brewers. Joining us today to talk about it is Paige McWay-Akers of the San Diego Brewers Guild. So to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the beer industry? I know you worked at Carl Strauss before joining the Guild. Can you kind of talk about your role, you know, in the brewery and then how you transitioned to the Guild? 
Sure. So I uh, started with Carl Strauss about seven years ago uh, doing administrative work, front desk. Um, prior to my work in the beer industry, I worked at a law firm in La Jolla as an office manager. Um, and I decided that that uh, industry was not for me. Um, and I really wanted to work in an industry that was community driven and I had been uh, worked at a restaurant in the North Park area that was very uh, craft focused and um, farm to table. The Linkery, uh, right? Yeah, the Linkery. Yeah. Yeah. So, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that really inspired me to look into our, our local craft beer uh, industry. And so when that job was available through Carl Strauss, there was an element of the San Diego Brewers Guild in that position, um, which I had been familiar with because of the linkery. Um, and so it just kind of progressed um, into uh, uh, a, a larger role for me at the San Diego Brewers Guild as we started doing more events. Um, and I kind of moved away from my role at Carl Strauss and more towards my role at the San Diego Brewers Guild. And you have to obviously like beer, right? I mean, that's got to be like a prerequisite. I, yeah, I thought that was just one of those unsaid things. <laughs> awesome. What's your favorite uh, type of beer? Do you have like a hazy or IPA? What, what What's your favorite? Um, I don't know if I necessarily have a favorite, but um, definitely one of my gateway beers was Chronic from Pizza Port. So um, d uh, that is a, a special one for me. Um, but I like to try pretty much everything. Um, we actually did a collaboration double IPA with Stone recently um, as, a, as a benefit beer for the Brewers Guild during uh, this whole um, challenging time for our association and our members. And so that was really wonderful for uh, Stone and all of its uh, distributed brands to kind of step up and really support us during a time of need. So that I feel really good. <laughs> That's one of our topics on our show. Oh, so we okay. talked about it and we, we love that. We love the collaboration. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's what we were saying is that there's always like historically been so much collaboration in the beer industry. That's sort of just the fundamental, you know, identity of it. How many breweries are in the guild right now? Uh, we have just over 120 brewing companies as members, and they represent about 183 locations. Wow. So that's, you know, tasting rooms to production facilities to uh, breweries with restaurants. So we're, we're pretty expansive <laughs> across yeah, the county. Yeah. So it has continued to thrive over the years. I mean, I know um, sometimes people say, oh, well, we've kind of plateaued, you know, where the growth is not there like it was a few years ago. But I mean, that's that's a lot of members still. You know, we see very small nano breweries that may only have a one barrel system. And it's really only only um, making manufacturing beer for that specific neighborhood versus really giant um uh, production scale breweries that are looking for large amounts of distribution. So we, our membership definitely runs the gamut of extremely small to very large, like uh, the stone, the ninth largest brewery in right. the country. Are you seeing that, that 
there's, you know, the, has the pandemic sort of impacted or affected those, you know, those two extremes equally? Or are you seeing that, you know, maybe a smaller brewery that's just supporting their neighborhood is sort of, you know, a little better off right now? Or The, the breweries that are actually, um, I think, hurting more than some of the other ones are the small breweries that don't have any distribution, mm-hmm. who were only making uh, beer for their community in a draft system. So somebody who was not packaging has really had to pivot and pivot quickly in order to get their beer in packages um, because that's the only way that they can sell their beer right now. The ones that were relying solely on draft are, um, I think, were the have been the ones that have really had to pivot um, much quicker than the breweries that already had distribution in place and packaging in place. One of the obstacles that was most surprising to me, um, you just touched on, you know, it's, it's the beer in the tanks. People don't realize if you don't can that product, if you don't move that product quickly, that product goes to waste. It is literally dumped. And so is that still one of the biggest um, challenges that, that the small brewers are seeing, you know, as, as the pandemic continues and as restrictions continue? It's definitely still a challenge that our small breweries are experiencing. I think another element of that is that now some of those beers have been dumped and the breweries, as far as, um, you know, figuring out their production timeline of when they're going to start brewing beer again or how long it's going to be in the tank and that sort of thing, it's a little more challenging to come up with that production schedule because they don't know what's going to happen in a week or in two weeks. So they don't want to go back into full production and then it gets shut down or restricted further, or it opens up for two weeks like it did and they ramped up production and now they have a lot of beer that they're unable to package in time. It's really that production schedule that has been really difficult to try to figure out (laughs) for them. And that production challenge page, it's also interesting, like on the other side of the coin too, because either you make too much, right? And it goes to waste, or maybe you haven't made enough. And then suddenly like that, you know, the county says, okay, you're allowed to open your tasting rooms again. And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have any beer to sell. You know, it's tough to tell people like, yeah, sorry, your favorite draft beer isn't available right now because of the pandemic, you know, kind of impact. And People just need to get used to like if you are going to a brewery, the menu choices are definitely limited at this point, right? Yes. What people are also missing as people who go to breweries often like seeing the one-off beers or um, you know specialty or rare beers or collaborations with another local brewery or just another organization. And and because of where we're at, a lot of those types of projects are being restricted because um, not everything can go in packages. You know, those one-off beers, they're not going to be able to get labels and all of that. And so I think some of our patrons are, you know, coming in and want, they don't necessarily want the core beer. They kind of want those one-off beers that they once were able to get in a tasting room. And those aren't, you know, readily available because the breweries aren't able to make them right now. Yeah, I think... big test of patience all around, you know, for the brewers and for the people who love visiting breweries, just everybody be nice, just have patience. (laughs) So can you, because things have changed so many times through the multiple shutdowns, can you sort of tell us at this point in time, what 
is allowed and what's not allowed at breweries? Sure. So right now, breweries are um, able to manufacture and distribute and sell their pack and their product. Um, as far as the tasting room, the taste they are allowed to serve outdoors as long as the alcohol is purchased in the same transaction as a meal. So, for example, if somebody you can go into the brewery to order your beer at the bar, but if you're going to order a beer, be prepared to buy something from the food truck um, that is on site or the caterer that is on site. So, what I've seen is most breweries will um, bring up the beer and the food and then give you a special token or a ticket or something, and you have to bring that out to the food truck so that everything's on the same transaction. Um, we have talked a lot about, you know, the food trucks and the breweries always have had a relationship since the beginning, you know, but that relationship has been casual. You know, if there's a food truck, there's a food truck. If there's not, there's not. And that's fine. Today, that relationship is significantly different. I mean, breweries are relying on food trucks, caterers, restaurant partnerships in order to operate. So how challenging is it to get that food truck there all the time to get those caterers there all the time. I mean, it can't be easy to do that every day for 183 brewery partners all the days they yeah. want to operate. So I think what I've been seeing our breweries do is instead of having a different food truck, you know, or caterer every, uh, like every day of the week, they partner with one a week at a time or, you know, four days in a row when they're having their tasting room open. So I think that they have uh, really been able to lean on the relationships that they've already um, developed with a lot of these food trucks or restaurants or um, caterers in the past and kind of come up with some sort of arrangement where it's a consistent um, food offering every single day that they're open from the same um, food provider instead of the uh, what we used to see is um, – a different style of food every single day. Yeah, the rotating menus and you could kind of pick what day you wanted to go, whichever day you had like a food truck that you enjoyed, but yeah. I and the breweries that the breweries that have restaurants, um, you know, like Stone or Pizza Port or Carl Strauss or some of those other types of that already have their own kitchens, they're they are able to operate um, the same. They just have to serve their food outdoors. So there's no indoor service, just like in the restaurant industry. What are some other challenges that you're seeing your member breweries kind of face? Is there some sort of more, more common challenges or maybe challenges that they didn't expect that have come up? Um, something else that has come up because of uh, where we're at is so many people are packaging that there are shortages on packaging materials. So aluminum, for example, you know, there's orders, um, people's orders are backed up. And so sometimes they're not able to get the, the cans in time or, you know, to, to get out to distribution. So those are some of the other challenges just in the supply chain. Um, I haven't really seen or heard about any other challenges necessarily in, with ingredients. Um, but definitely more in the packaging and manufacturing side. Interesting. How how frustrating, Paige, has this time been? I mean, it, there's so much back and forth. You know, you can open, you can't open, you got to go outside, you have to have food. 
How frustrating is this for the craft beer industry, your members? I think the most challenging part has been the back and forth because once we they once you get the green light doesn't mean that you open right away. And so it may take you three or four days or a week to get all set up with the proper signage or the proper equipment, um, like the plexiglass or making sure that all of your employees are trained before you reopen. And then you're only open for a week and it gets turned back again. Um, I think that's really hard. Um, Another frustrating thing that I've heard from members is um, because the tasting room um, staff they are so reliant on tips or on shifts and the shifts look different or there's not as many. Um, those, those employees are having to, you know, some people are moving back home or, you know, just moving to smaller towns or um, like for their own livelihood. And so that's another really frustrating thing for some of our brewery members is the staffing issue is because people aren't as available or, they don't have the same staff um, as before and trying to retrain people on just the brewery in itself. And then on top of that, all of the COVID um, uh, health and safety requirements and that sort of thing. I think just the HR aspect has been really difficult and challenging for our members. And they all have to have their own like, procedures and they have to be posted and they have to educate all of their employees. And if your employees aren't the same ones that are coming back, then there's, there's just a lot, a lot of work that goes into reopening and re and closing again. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, in addition, I mean, there's always going to be the frustrating parts of things, the challenges, you know, um, but like you were saying, we've also seen some good come out of this, you know, the, the relationships with food vendors are getting stronger. People are learning lessons on the fly, you know, whether it's a tough time or not, you're still learning. Um, the COVID collaboration beer. What what else have you seen come out of your industry during this time that's been you know inspiring and and good? What's what's good? <laughs> um, I have really enjoyed seeing the breweries, which you know it's not really a surprise, but they continue to have each other's backs, you know, and really continue to support each other in the best ways that they can. Um, during this time. And even if it is just a, Hey, I'm a phone call or an email that's, Hey, I'm here for you, or let me know how I can help you. Or um, I'm checking in because I care. Uh, that's just kind of an element of the San Diego craft beer industry in general. Um, and so even during such a challenging and unprecedented time to continue to see that and not let, um, these times get these small business owners down, um, I think is, that's like a, it's, it's a pretty nice thing, a good thing to see and, and be a part of. That's my favorite part too. Just <laughs> in case you're wondering, <laughs> I love it. Everybody helps each other. I think that part's so cool. And it's just so, so in the vibe of, you know, the way this industry was built and that camaraderie and, it's business. There's always going to be competition, but there's a camaraderie in the craft brewing industry that I think, you know, it's hard to recreate in other industries. Absolutely. Um, at, at last check, I saw that the the beer GoFundMe um, campaign was about halfway to your the ten thousand dollar goal. Um, 
have you determined how you're going to be deciding, you know, which breweries you distribute that to and how much and for what? Uh, not quite yet. So we, we put that $10,000 as our GoFundMe start off goal um, and hoping to exceed that um, through uh, council member Kate's office through like their outreach, maybe with some of uh, Supervisor Desmond's outreach since, since they helped us develop that fund. So once we really determine uh, what we want, our board is going to come together and kind of see how much money all of our efforts have, have raised and see what is the best way and um, to impact the industry as a whole. Um, so it, it really depends on how much, um, you know, we're able to raise for the fund that will dictate the actions that we take to for our members. And same thing with the collaboration beer proceeds, those will also benefit the guild, right? That's correct. Yeah. So Stone with, with the San Diego Brewers Guild, we're a 501c6 nonprofit organization and the majority of our um, revenue to support all of the programs that we have for our members are through events and through dues. And so for our events, we've canceled all of our events this year. Um, and so that is a major revenue stream that completely diminished overnight. And the other thing that we did was we waived all of our brewery member dues for 2020 in an effort to help and support our breweries during this, this time. We wanted to make sure that our organization wasn't something that, um, you know, was an invoice that they needed to pay. We just wanted to make sure that they had the resources and um, that they needed to stay in business and um, during this time. And so another major revenue source um, completely diminished. So when Stone, um, you know, we announced that to our members, they, they approached and said, hey, like, we'd like to help you um, for all everything that the Guild has done for the industry. We want to support the industry, the guild, um, through a collaboration beer. And, um, of course we said yes. And we're very, very thankful and appreciative of all of, all of their support and the, the breweries that are participating in that collaboration as well. So See, there's that love. There's that yeah. camaraderie again. And <laughs> it's so all full circle. People can find the beer at the, all the participating breweries or? Uh, they can find the draft beer at Stone Locations and then everything else was packaged and is available at um, off-premise retailers. So um, uh, bottle shops or grocery stores. And I actually have one right here. So this Ooh, is nice. like, <laughs> like really excited about just, you know, the can art, we felt like it was really representative of San Diego and San Diego beer. Um, and we actually uh, are also doing a pre-sale uh, shirt and tank top with the proceeds going back to the guild. So in addition to, you know, the, the collaboration beer, we've got the beer fund. Um, I know a lot of breweries are still doing curbside pickup has become like a huge lifeline. Um, merch sales, huge lifeline. So those are all ways that beer lovers can continue to help the industry. Absolutely. Another one is gift cards. Um, that's something I've seen a lot of breweries uh, promote if they have that ability um, to, to sell gift cards for people who may not necessarily feel comfortable going out right now. 
they they may um, in the future. And so it just kind of keeps uh, some cash going for the breweries right now. And then people can come in when they feel comfortable. That's, nice. That's another great option. What would you like to see in terms of more support from local, local or federal government? If we can kind of work more closely with the county or the to show that our breweries can and our tasting rooms can be places that are are safe for our community because health and safety is absolutely a priority for our members but if we can really advocate and show that the that these businesses are safe places for our community we really appreciate you talking with us thank you for having me and thank you for supporting the san diego beer industry So really interesting stuff there from Paige. Definitely good perspective into how Brewers Guild members are trying to survive day by day here. To help out craft brewers in need right now as the pandemic continues, San Diego City Council member Chris Kate and County Supervisor Jim Desmond earlier this month, they set up a something called a beer fund. The beer fund, I should say. It's B-E-E-R, which stands for Breweries Experiencing Economic Roadblocks. And that fund is meant to support the San Diego Brewers Guild. So beer lovers can donate to the fund and all the money collected will be distributed by the guild to local craft brewers who are experiencing financial hardship, which I'm, I'm sure is unfortunately the majority of them. You can learn more about the fund in the scene section of NBC7.com. So... Sadly, though, not all of San Diego's craft breweries will be able to survive the pandemic. As we've seen, you know, there have been some that have had to permanently close due to the economic impact of this whole thing. And the Brewers Guild tells us that several members have had to do that in recent months and weeks. This includes Iron Fist in both Vista and Barrio Logan the Escondido Brewing Company, and also Thunderhawk Ailments in Miramar. You know, unfortunately, that is probably not the uh, not the only closings that we'll see. An Iron Fist, who ran a production brewery in Vista and a tasting room in Barrio Logan, um, and have since shut down all operations, they made that announcement back in mid-May, even before this whole second round of rollbacks came down. Yeah, it's it's sad to see that even in that first wave, which hit them all the breweries pretty swiftly, you know, that that definitely I think some of these small businesses could see the writing on the wall. They could see that it just wasn't going to happen for them. And, and those are really tough decisions that these small businesses have to make. You know, do we keep trying? How much money are we wasting here? How much more can we push and pull our employees in and out? Um, they're just, you know, really difficult decisions. And, and it's sad to see that you know, actually manifested and you see a list and it's impactful to see these businesses having to close. All right. So shifting gears a little bit here, while some breweries do whatever it takes to stay afloat, another huge brewery has just opened in Mission Valley. It's Puestos Cerveceria. (laughs) Um, Candice, tell us what you know about that project. I know you've been covering it pretty extensively there at Eater. 
It's a pretty, it is a pretty huge project and, and certainly maybe not the most ideal timing, but I think they're trying to make the best of it. Uh, the Stopuesto, you know, it already has restaurants in La Jolla and the headquarters, but now they've opened a 10,000 square foot brewery restaurant in Mission Valley. It replaces the longtime Gordon Biersch brew pub that was there. Uh, and so this is the Mexican restaurant's sort of first foray into actually making its own beer. And the, the project was delayed uh, due to several COVID-19 related issues, which among other things really impacted its beer program. Uh, they're making traditional Mexican style lagers, which you know were originally uh, ready to go back in April, but then they had to be sort of brewed again for the summer opening. And you know, beer-wise, while ales can sort of be brewed and, and consumed within a few weeks, lagers need a slower fermentation process. So basically, their beers will be available now starting in August, and eventually they'll be served at all of their locations in California. That's pretty wild. Um, I know when you told me, you know, they're opening this giant brewery and they don't even have their own beer available right now. I, I was shocked. I mean, that's one of those things where you you feel for them, too. You know, it's like your whole new project is all about beer. But because of all of these restrictions and constraints and, and everything you talked about, you know, you just can't quite open with that vision that that you had. And, and I know this project had been in the works for a long time, right? Yeah. And, you know, beer is all about, you know, freshness and it's, it's can be a fragile prod product. And so, you know, a lot of breweries that I've talked to say that they're, they're sort of shifting the production to concentrate more on beers that can be, you know, aged and, and kept in barrels and not have to be um, put on draft immediately, just because, you know, sales are slow right now. Well, I still think, you know, regardless of the hurdles and how long it took Puesto to get there, and I know that space in Mission Valley is so prominent. Gordon Biersch was there for so long, and I think, you know, people were itching, like, what's going to go there? You know, when is that going to be filled? Um, I think, you know, regardless of all the obstacles, it's pretty incredible that they could open something of that scale in the middle of a pandemic. Like, I, I still don't really understand how they were able to pull that off, you know? Well, they spent something like $8 million on the project and, you know, it's beautiful. And unfortunately, no one's really getting to enjoy the inside of the venue right now, but they do have two big outdoor seating areas and have also added a sort of a pop-up patio in the parking lot. That's right. So yeah, right now, everything still has to shift outdoors in terms of restaurants and um, breweries and anything like that, that has food service has to be outside. Um, and and just as a reminder, I mean, we're still on that California COVID monitoring list until at least July 27th, at which point, you know, our local leaders are going to reevaluate and let us know if that monitoring time period gets extended. If these restaurant uh, restrictions continue, we'll know a little bit more about that for sure next week. But um, yeah, for now, it's outside, outside or nothing, right? Yeah, I think I think we're going to see a lot of breweries sort of scrambling to create beer gardens of some sort uh, tied to their tasting room to sort of take advantage of of the summer sun uh, and work with what they can right now. We have so many of the stories we talked about today in our Eater San Diego NBC7 roundups, which publish every Friday on the scene section of NBC7.com. 
You can also find everything we talked about today in our show notes article on both NBC7.com and SanDiego.Eater.com. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe to Scene in San Diego featuring Eater on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher, wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. We will see you next time with more to chew on.